0: Welcome back to the Unashamed Truth podcast, where we aim to help you understand and embrace God-centered theology. The doctrine of Solus Christus, or Christ alone, is the heartbeat of the Reformation. That is, Jesus Christ is the only path to salvation. In other words, you don't need anyone else, like saints or priests, You don't need anything else like your good works. In today's episode, Grant explains why and how Christ alone is the only path of salvation. He also introduces us to the reformer John Calvin and what Calvin had to say on the subject of Christ alone. Let's listen to Grant as he opens the Word of God for
1: us. We are saved. In the final analysis, by works. You are saved by works. Now here's the catch. Don't get this wrong. They aren't your works. <laughs> you had to wait for that one. They're entirely the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now there's a classic verse that, that you can, there's lots of verses that we could point to, and I have a lot written down, but let me just have you turn to one. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. This is one of those great statements of the gospel. One of the great statements of Solus Christus. For our sake, he, that's referring to God the Father, made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In him we might become the righteousness of God. Notice that phrase, knew no sin. Jesus knew no sin. He was a true man, was he not? Born under the law. And he lived a perfect life. You see, he didn't just come down for Good Friday to die on the cross for your sins. He didn't just die for you. He also lived for you. Do you remember when he showed up at the Jordan River, and John the Baptist was baptizing all those people? Do you remember what John was baptizing them for? It was a baptism of what? Repentance. You only repent from what? Sin. And Jesus shows up and says, okay, now you baptize me. And John's, no, I'm not going to baptize you. This is a baptism for sin, for repentance. And Jesus says, no, you put me down in that water. Why? John asked him, do you remember? And do you remember what Jesus said? This is to fulfill all, what's the word? Righteousness. Same word that Paul uses here. Dekeosuni. Same word. Righteousness. What Jesus is saying is, is I need to be identified with all these sinners. So you're going to put me down in that water and I'm going to come out and live as their representative doing these works of the law. And then when he comes up from the water, where does he go? He goes into the wilderness to be tempted and yet without sin without sin Hebrews 4:15 for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin Look back at 2 Corinthians 5.21. The reformers said this, that in the gospel, a great exchange takes place. That when you trust Christ in faith and you are united to Him, there's an exchange. All of your sin is counted to Him. All of it. Remember the scapegoat? The priest would put his hands on the goat And send it off. Or the other goat, he would sacrifice it. But he'd put his hand on it. All of your sin credited to Christ. But more than that, all of his righteousness is credited to you in the gospel. All of it. So you stand before God on Christ's merit. Did Christ obey the law? Yes, he did. He was blameless. He was perfect. Pilate said, I find no fault with this man. And in the gospel, all of that righteousness is credited to you. All of it. It's a remarkable truth. And that's the truth of Solus Christus. Tonight, I want to introduce you to a reformer named John Calvin. John Calvin. His dates are 1509 to 1564. And I'm going to give you four truths about Calvin. Here's the first one. He was a prodigious Protestant. A prodigious Protestant. You couldn't have been more Catholic than Calvin. Uh, he was born and raised in a town about 60 miles northeast of Paris, called Noyon. His father was named Gerald. His mother was named Jean. Gerald was 50 years old when he was born, and his mother, he hardly knew her. Uh, She died when he was five or six years old, but his father was an accountant for the church. He was basically a church administrator, so there was a big cathedral in this town, and, and Calvin's father worked at the cathedral, and so Calvin's whole life was connected to the Roman church and the whole, the whole sacramental system. All of it was what he lived and breathed. In fact, when he was 11 years old, his father basically helped secure a chaplaincy for him, the ch- for him at the church. I mean, I, I find that, you know, I don't know what the responsibilities of a chaplain were, but, but it's kind of humorous to think about an 11, 11-year-old 11 boy being a chaplain at, at the church, but that's what he did. He was, he was a, a chaplain at the church, and then when he was 14 years old, his father sent him to the University of Paris to study theology in hopes that he would become a priest. So he goes to Paris, and like many of the Reformers, you know, God works these events and circumstances in your pre-conversion life to shape you to be the person that he wants you to be ultimately for the kingdom. So he goes to the university, and he starts studying Catholic theology, and they make him learn Latin. They drill it down into him, which would be something that he would use for the rest of his life. So he studies Latin. He, he does very well at the University of Paris. But then when he graduates, his father has a change of opinion. He says, I don't want you to study theology to be a priest. I actually want you to make some money for our family. There's not much money in the ministry. I don't know if you, at least if the right types, the right types of ministries, okay? But uh, he said, I want you to go make some money. I want you to be a lawyer. So he sent him to law school in the town of Orleans. Uh, he he went to a law school called Burgess. This, the dates would be 1528 to 1531 that he, that he studied law. So you can imagine he's entering law school at 19 years old. And while he was there, he met an evangelical, a man by the name of Wolmer or Volmer. And this man, just in the middle of law school, decides to teach Calvin Greek as if studying law isn't enough. They study Greek on the side. Any of you studying Greek on the side? I've got some guys here beginning to study Greek. I mean, one of them, I think, said, it's all Greek to me, you know. Uh, That's hard. But Calvin studied Greek in law school and mastered it. And he studied with this evangelical, but he remained unconverted. He was a a Catholic's Catholic. And again, the Reformation is going on at this point. He's not immune to Luther and all these ideas out there. He just resists them. He doesn't want to be a Protestant. Uh, Becoming a Protestant for John Calvin would be like becoming a Texas Longhorn when you're an Aggie. It would be like becoming a Wolfpack fan when you're a Tar Heel. Or uh, a tar hill if you're a wolf pack, right? You don't do that. A major worldview shift has to happen in order for Calvin to become a Protestant. But that's exactly what happened as he began to read the Greek New Testament. What have we talked about again and again and again and again? Where is the power in the ministry? It's in the Word of God. And as Calvin began to read his New Testament, 24 years old, he said, quote, the Lord shone upon me with the brightness of His Holy Spirit. It takes the Holy Spirit of God to overcome your resistance. And he did. In his preface to his commentary on the Psalms, Calvin didn't talk much about himself, so scholars have to just try to dig up as much as they can through his his corpus of writing to find any biographical information about him. But this is something that he slipped in in his preface to the Psalms. He said, God, by the secret leading of his providence, turned my course another way. First, when I was too firmly addicted to the superstitions of the papacy to be drawn easily out of such a deep mire, he says, by a sudden conversion, God subdued and made teachable my mind. Isn't that amazing? That God made his mind teachable. He says, having therefore received a taste and knowledge of true piety, I burned with such a desire to carry my study further that although I did not drop other subjects, so again, he's studying law, I had no zeal for them in less than a year. Listen, this, this is amazing. He says, all who were looking for a pure doctrine begin to come to learn from me, although I was a novice and a beginner. So he's radically converted, and almost immediately people begin to seek him out as a teacher. So that's the first point. He's a prodigious Protestant.
0: The doctrine of Christ alone is the cornerstone of the Christian faith, for without Christ and his perfect righteousness, we have no salvation and no hope of salvation. Thank you for joining us today for the Unashamed Truth podcast with Grant Castleberry. Grant is the senior pastor of Capital Community Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Find out more about Unashamed Truth by visiting our website, unashamedtruth.org. Also consider becoming a ministry partner by giving a consistent monthly gift, which ensures that we can continue this outreach in the months ahead. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you will never miss an episode. Until next time, it is our prayer that you continue in your journey to understand and embrace God-centered theology.